Hello and welcome to Flynn's Talk, the podcast that focuses predominantly on mental health and well-being in the veterinary field and thriving as a vet or nurse or anyone uh, working in the animal care field. But we also do like to highlight other community champions working in the mental health space. And that is what we're going to do today uh, when we meet our guest, Terry Cornick, who is the founder and CEO of Mr. Perfect. Uh, I'm Jack. I'm part of the usual co-hosting lineup, but I am flying solo for this one. I managed to grab time with Terry at a time that um, suited us both, and so uh, it was great to chat with him one-on-one. Terry has uh, been really open with his story about his own mental health challenges, having suffered from anxiety and depression for pretty much all of his life, but not always realizing that it was uh, that, that 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 is actually what he was um, experiencing. So. Yeah, his uh, life story is quite an interesting one, and he was originally from the UK and and moved to Australia, where he now has a wife and uh, and three boys. So he has plenty to keep his uh, plate full. But yeah, it was uh, a, a really genuine um, and open conversation, and, and Terry's uh, to be commended for for sharing his story to hopefully help others, and yeah, creating this initiative now to um, encourage men to get together and creating a, a relaxed um, community and grassroots environment um, and getting men together and grilling up some snags and, and hosting barbecues in local parks to just create informal and soft touch points to, to allow connection to grow um, between men. So pretty keen to get into it and uh, introduce you to Terry and from there uh, explore the story of Mr. Perfect and why he created it. Welcome to Flynn's Talk, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you um, on on the on the recording. And you're in the beautiful northern beaches of Sydney. I'm in the oh, it's sunny and kind of windy in Melbourne, so I can claim that the weather's turning, and I think spring's coming. But um, welcome, mate, and uh, it's great to have you. No, thank you so much. Um, really appreciate it. I think uh, it's funny when you reached out, you got me on a really Although my life is pretty hectic and there's a lot of things I have to fit in. Mm. I think you got me on like a really good day, which I was happy with because <laughs> like your approach was brilliant. It was so just better than anything I normally get. I don't know why it was. It was just very personable and like, this is what I'm doing. And do you want to chat? And I was like, yeah, why not? So I had to look what you were doing. I thought brilliant, like the, the synergies between uh, grassroots, community thinking, uh, I couldn't say no. So yeah, pleased to be here. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm I'm flattered by that and appreciate it. And uh, all of this comes from our heart. And um, you know, Jez is Jez is usually here on the podcast, or sometimes Cam as well. And those boys have got a lot on and having a break of their own. But um, yeah, thank you because we try to keep this try to keep it real. To be honest, as much of a cliche as that is. So yes, um, and that's very much the style of of the podcast and what we do at the walks. Um, I, I, we will get into. Mr. Perfect, and you know, yes. hold hold on to your seats to everyone listening. We will explain where the name came from, but maybe just paint the picture, mate, for people listening who may not have heard your story. Um, North North London was home in Watford, is that right? Originally, and now now Sydney. Yeah, so it's a bit of a long one actually. It's funny, like when I, I listen back to some of the conversations I've had about my past as well, and I always worry that maybe I never want to be detrimental to where I came from. I try not to be. Maybe sometimes I have been in like inadvertently or maybe I've overthought that. But look, I grew up in the UK, obviously, um, uh, 
born in North London, a lot of my family from around there, quite a big family on my mum's side, quite big on my dad's side as well. And my parents were young when they had me and my brothers and I'd say fairly working class compared to what I'm definitely compared to where I am now in Sydney and um, quite a, as I said, big family, um, grew up in Watford, just on the outside of London, on, on North London, very you know, inconspicuous kind of childhood, I guess. Um, a lot of tension in the family. Uh, there was my mum and dad broke up. My dad had suffered from uh, alcohol addiction and his own issues and never really explored them myself until actually he passed away, So, uh, which was a few years back now. There was always the feeling of um, anything that big happened in our family that was really intense or tragic or whatever it may be. I just thought that was normal, so I kind of just went along with it. And I was a very quiet kid. I was very introverted. I barely said a word. Like my family would say hello to me at a birthday party, like close family, and I couldn't even get words out. Like that was just I, – I didn't have the skills to communicate very well verbally, but in my head I was communicating at like a 50-year-old level at five. You know, like that was the way I thought of it. I was very thoughtful, very introspective, did okay at school. Uh, look, there was a couple of things that happened in my childhood that I don't know, really delve into that much, but – you know, I shouldn't, shouldn't have experienced myself and probably shouldn't have witnessed as well some things. And we kind of muddled through. Um, I went to, did okay at high school. Like, it was actually pretty good academically, but again, very quiet and muddled my way through that. And then got... Was that a bit of a channel for you? Like school give you a bit of a channel and an outlet to like keep ticking over and keep... Definitely. I suppose like home was home but school was school and a chance to sort of break out a bit absolutely i was very studious whereas like my brothers weren't and um yeah very thoughtful and i was good at english but not so good at like the, the ones i weren't good at maths and science but i was quite creative and good at english and i was very organized and so look i was an anxious kid as well it's quite awkward and then i kind of discovered at 16 you know i was in an area where there was people i was hanging around with which were a lot more extroverted than me a lot more outgoing and I, for some reason, I look back at all the people in my life that have been closest to me, best friends, my partner, my wife, you know, they've always been uh, the flip side of me normally. So they've been like the go-getters and I've like lived vicariously through them. So there was a lot of people who were like troublemakers I grew up with in the area I grew up with. And I just, you know, drinking in parks and getting alcohol at a young age and doing those things. But I, I realized very quickly um, Alcohol was bad, bad, bad for me. Like I was already uh, d suffered depression, anxiety, etc. That just used to send me to a whole another dimension. Um, and look, I went to uni, decided to kind of go to uni on the south coast of England. Did media writing. Some of my background is I always think I say I should have become a writer. Like I have been paid to do writing, but that was kind of like my first love, and I could lose myself in that. Right, that was a bit of an escape. Writing. Like, did you sto story writing? Or like journaling, like what, what? Do you know what? I like now, I'm a very like factual, almost like uh, investigative. Right. That was what I'd imagine I'd be now, like true stories, yeah. uncovering things, my own story, yeah. Whereas I did write some like docudramas and stuff at uni and things. I did quite well, right? I did okay at uni. But again, alcohol was like my escape. I could only really talk to girls and like socialise when I, I'd had a few drinks. That was simply it, right? Came back to Watford after uni and then probably 22, 23, that sort of period is when I realised that my, I first confronted that I, A, was depressed, had anxiety, PTSD, a number of things. And I, I pulled up the laptop one day and I went, 
Googled what's depression and there was like eight symptoms and I had six and I went, oh, okay, I haven't got all eight. So I put the laptop down and I did the, what I did my whole life and just went whoop, under the carpet, carry on. And this thing would resurface every three months. I'd be able to like put everything aside and then it would blow up whether after I was hungover, night out, argument with a girlfriend, whatever it may be, or argument with family, you know. And eventually I just, I got to a point where I thought I was having a breakdown, but I was very good at hiding it. And someone said to me, I got this crappy job in um, near to where I was. It wasn't crappy, but it was near to where I was living. And Means to an end kind of job, yeah. 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 <laughs> and I, I was walking on my lunch break. I always felt I was underachieving at everything. Like I could have done more and people would tell me. And a mate stopped me and said, you look like, like the world is on your shoulders. And he made this comment. And I remember going, oh. And like not the sort of mate I'd have that conversation with. So I've never talked to anyone about this stuff. And I just kind of carried on and head down and went back to work and did whatever. And then not long after seeing a, a girl at the time who said to me, you look like like the colour's gone from your eyes. She says, like, you normally got really green eyes and like you look grey. And I said, yeah, that's pretty much how I see the world at the moment. You know, it was this really weird moment. But none of us didn't know how to deal with it. And I cancelled it. I went to get a doctor's appointment. I cancelled it in the NHS system in, in London and then I escaped to Australia. So I very, I'm not a spontaneous person, but one day a mate I played football with said, I'm going to Australia, do you want to come? I went, yeah, all right. And he was an extrovert, he was crazy, you know. I said, let's go. Anyway, I turn up the first, so we're traveling for about six months or whatever. Uh, and I remember turning up on the first day or second day around, walking around Sydney Harbour and I went, what have I done? Like, I still, really deeply depressed and I went it wasn't the location your geographical location I had that thought to go it was where I was mentally and I thought by escaping I could just run thankfully I did because on the second day and this is kind of full circle I met my now wife that's another that's another story <laughs> met her for a, a friend of my friend an Aussie friend and then went back to London for a year and went through the same cycle, got back, was deeply depressed, did, did well to hide it quite well. I thought I did. No one ever kind of pulled me up on it, I don't think. And then um, my now wife had come back to London. She said, do you want to go back to Sydney again? I said, why not? Applied for a visa. I didn't think we'd get. We got it. I ended up back here. Now, I was a bit tumultuous, long story short. Uh, ended up splitting up. My wife got back together later on. But I had a six-month period when I was here with no one. And I was about to book an Etihad flight, had my credit card out. I was like, I'm going back. And I thought, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And I had it ready on the screen. Credit cards there. And I just didn't do it. I don't know why. Yeah. Ended up going to live with a friend of a friend. Six months, got my head down at work, worked in healthcare recruitment um, and started doing really well. And they didn't expect me to. Even my boss was like, well, if you're kind of made out for this, you're not very talkative and like, you know, extroverted. But I was actually really organized and good at research and good at, you know, detail. Thinking man's man. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly <laughs> what it was. And I never thought I'd be in a bloody recruitment job let's put it that way so for five years i just four or five years was doing really well living in a beautiful part of sydney um going on holidays you know doing everything back with my now you know beautiful wife everything's going great but every few months like the blow up would happen again and eventually my wife just put her foot down and said you need to do something about this and i embarked on this journey of going all this money is doing nothing for me and um, you know these holidays aren't doing anything for me um, I'm living like, in, I could not have wished for a better life. And my mate at work would call me Mr. Perfect. And I just went, okay, I need to go. So I went and saw the GP and he just said, how long have you felt like this? And it took a lot, it took a lot of effort to get to him. And I said, as long as I can remember. 
and he kind of sat back and was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. It was this really awkward moment. And then he said, I think you need to see this person. And he gave me a psychiatrist's name. And I went, no, no chance. That's for crazy people. Not going to see a psychiatrist. Wasn't educated at all on the system, despite working in healthcare. And eventually I went. And it worked for about six months, nine months, got a lot of heavy stuff off me, loads of stuff. Like I'd walk out of the appointment feeling like I'd run a marathon every time. Like it literally got everything out. Lots of crap from history, lots of, you know. And then uh, then I realized, but sustaining this is not, I need to do something different. Like no one had talked to me about what I was doing non-clinically. They just kind of went, go down this channel and away you go. And medication I took for a while and I kind of came off it and went back on. And a couple of my mates just sat around and I quit my good job at the time. I was doing a few other things. And my mates said in the pub, I said, look, this is what I'm going through. And they both said, actually, we've gone through something similar. And we said, okay, what do we do about it? And I'm asking my doctors I work with. And they said, look, what, I said, what would you do with a guy like me? That, you know, almost 30, about to plan a family, supposedly has it, but is depressed. And they just said, Terry, honestly, said we we don't have time to deal with this and we'd give you like a leaflet for beyond blue and off you go and i was just stunned and some of them were like brutally honest and i said there's a problem here and we basically embarked on the fact that we love football soccer and we played together me and a couple of mates and we said well why don't we set up our own football team and we did do that later that's another story but we said let's do a kick around two hours put an ad on gumtree and meetup.com and see what happens and next thing you know it was like my way of dealing with it. I started dealing with it in, started dealing with my own issues, but not really worked them out, you know. But then I thought, well, this is a nice distraction. I can help other people and that makes me feel good. <laughs> so, yeah, it wasn't like all in good, good intention. It was, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really fixing me. And 40 people turned up to this kick around, like, and we were like, what? In Sydney, and we just said, it was terrible football. Like, it was 35 degree heat in January. There's guys of all shapes, sizes, ages, backgrounds. But we sat down afterwards and everyone sat around and the conversation, I just listened and I went, this is the gold. Like people were saying things like, oh, I haven't done this for 10 years since I got married, since I had kids, since I got divorced, since I ex, you know, the 10 stories. And no one these guys knew each other. Some were really quiet, introverted, some weren't. And I just went, this is what, this this is the gold. Like not not clinical, like we're just offering the first, you know, and that's the start of Mr. Perfect. We then morph that into the barbecues, which we do now. And um, that's kind of the other, you know, the, the Mr. Perfect story. But my story after that, I've just now I'm in, a, I guess, the last two years, really, I've made some big breakthroughs with I tried a lot harder. I tried a bit more of a holistic approach. So, yes, I have my clinical part, but I didn't put the full emphasis on it. So I have a great psychologist that I found. I see him semi-regularly. I don't take medication, but I do better things like I try to anyway, sleep, eat better, know the signs, like and work, literally take it out of body experience and know when I'm doing shit and go look at what you're doing, look at your reactions at the moment, look what you're, the effect you're having on other people. You now need to take that as a sign and don't let it blow up like you used to. And that's kind of how I go through it. And now I'm in a good spot. Like work's great. Um, charity's great. Uh, I have a few other commitments. I got a beautiful family, three little boys. And like I say, I think someone's testing me by giving me three boys. So it's like my chance to fix it, like to kind of break that, you know. I'm one of three boys. So shout out to my parents. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And it's incredible. Like I have an, a really beautiful life. I'm very proud of it. I'm very 
thankful for it, but it doesn't come without challenges. Like it's not, it's not perfect. <laughs> so um, it's the charity is kind of taken on its own form outside of that. You know, it's my, it's my baby. We now have these 40 barbecues running across the country um, and they've proven to be a great success. Um, so yeah, it's kind of the nutshell of my story. <laughs> I could waffle on, but yeah. <laughs> Mate, it's a huge, I've, I mean, we've been talking for about 12 minutes or so by this stage and I mean, you've put a lifetime of um, <laughs> experience and movement and, and international transfer of your life and relationships changing and all of that into 12 minutes. So we're certainly not doing it justice, but um, it, it, it really paints the picture, uh, particularly for me, mate, and the chance to talk to you and the fabric of what actually puts you together. And I think pulling away those facades and the masks, I mean, we're all <laughs> wearing masks at the moment for a whole other reason, um, but it strips that back and, and that certainly is so, so powerful. So so uh, just a huge congratulations to you, if that's even the right word, but Thank you. for doing that. Yeah. I think the other thing too that's interesting, like, and yeah, we're, we're going to get into the Mr. Perfect story, which you've definitely sim- you've somewhat separated out from yours. However, yeah. <laughs> there's an obvious overlap. If it was a Venn diagram, it's you and, yeah. and it's one and the same. But something I was thinking about was the fact that um, what you've what you've actually done is invited a bunch of blokes down for a kick around. So the key here is actually, if you want blokes to talk about their mental health. Don't invite them to a thing to talk about their mental health. Invite them. <laughs> invite them down for a snag or a kick of the footy. It's a sort of there's some there's some synergy there in in our in our walks. We get people to come down and get together and walk their dogs and meet meet heaps of people and connect with industry peers and whatnot. Mm. And before you know it, they're talking about how they're going. So there's a there's a, an amazing um uh it's in such a simple model there, right? Just to mm. attract people to something that isn't what you necessarily think it's going to be. And what it's created, I suppose, is like that soft touch mental health environment, right? Like I feel like you're at the pub after two or three beers in, depending on what your tolerance is, it might be more. Um, you're either at the pub having a couple of beers with your mates and uh, having a bit of a you know brain dump about how you're feeling or letting them know something's sort of not working for you. Or you're in a psychiatrist or psychologist's office and the in-between correct there's not there's not enough it seems in between right like yeah you kind of yeah you're either really really informal or you're super formal and it's like holy crap i'm i'm in a clinical setting now how did i get to this and i think that's what the beauty of mr perfect is that's it is that you've created a, a soft touch environment for people to open up and pull back the mask we've used similar words to how i described it yesterday someone asked me and i said at the start it was around a mental health story, right? It was my story. So it was my face. This is what I've been through, yada, yada, yada. Now there's this other thing where we do barbecues because I think that's good. And ironically, I am an introvert and I was a lot less more closed off than I am now. I'll talk about it forever now. But I see, I get my kick from seeing other people connect and do, seeing them get something out of it. So when we first witnessed what was going on at the early barbecues, when I was running one in Sydney and watching physic, the physical reaction of someone coming up, walking across the park, really nervous, obviously, walking over, me greeting them as I'm cooking the snacks, but not looking them in the eye. Like it was very just now and again, catching eye contact, taking some interest, not over talking at them, letting them have some space. And then someone would say, oh, this is interesting. My hands in their pockets going, um 
so why did you start it? And then I would tell my story, but I'd give him the abbreviated version. Yeah, yeah. Very casual as I'm cooking the sausages and the hander. Great. And you just see their kind of like brain, literally I can see the cogs whirring and they lift a bit. And then they come around at the end. They might just listen the first time they come. And they come out at the end and they shake my hand and they say, well, they don't shake them anymore, but they used to. <laughs> Fist bump. They, yeah. <laughs> they then go, thank you so much. That was really good. Uh, I really enjoyed that. And I'm like, all we've done is provide you a couple of hours space in the open. You, and the beauty of it, if it's open in a park, you can leave whenever you want. And if you don't want to come for the whole thing, you can drop in and check it out half an hour. I've got to go and pick the kids up. I've got to do this, whatever. People escape. I've seen guys, you watch them go around the park three or four times before they come over. You know, that's fine. Like we don't, And we've provided that space and we don't pretend that there's going to be a professional there to grill them, give them advice or do any of that. It literally is that space. Now, what we do by doing that is the short-term goal is we've got someone out of the house for two hours in the sunshine, normally 70% of the time in Australia, right? That is, a, that is a big thing for someone who's in their own head, not feeling great. I did it all the time. I used to lie in bed all day on a Sunday, all day. No intention of doing anything because I couldn't, physically couldn't. Now, when you do that, that's great. Secondary point to that or like the, the things we've planted and the experience we've seen now is I get feedback from some of the um, more regional areas, like a couple in Victoria we've got, which are amazing. And they say to me, the guys now like meet up. They've gone for quite a while and it's become their thing once a month. And they meet up outside of it. They go for a coffee on a Friday. They now do, they join a cycling club. They've done, Love that. you know, their kids have joined a football club, whatever it may be, especially in a tight-knit community. So what we've done is just like created, just been that first thread of the fabric so that they can then do it. Yeah. And we don't push it. You've triggered off a whole lot of other connections, yeah. Exactly. And look, people come and might only come three times and go, hold on a minute, this is all I needed. Other people come and go, shh. You know, I was about to swear, but um, like, this is bad. Um, I need more than this. So then they might reach out or email or go on our website and look at the men's health directory and go, I think I actually do need clinical help or I've listened to someone else's story. I think it's time I went and got some more, you know, I say up the continuum or maybe down if you're looking like that. We want to be at the start. We don't want to be at the end. Whereas when we started, it was a mental health story in inverted commas. So we actually attracted probably things we weren't, ready to deal with to begin with not a lot but enough that we said we are not crisis we are not crisis we're not crisis please come at any part of the continuum however we would prefer you came when you were feeling a little bit off or just lonely or just had a breakup or lost your job or whatever it may be and then work your way on that journey because guess what no one tells you whether it's a doctor (laughs) friends whatever what that continuum should look like like you said it's either I go and blurt it out when I'm drunk and tell everyone and do it in an emotional way or I'm now in a psychiatrist's office or psychologist or GP's office and I feel really uncomfortable and it's cold and it's clinical and I'm never going to go back because I had a bad experience the first time. That's like the two the two ends of what we do. So, Or like, yeah, and a very common thing is that people may not connect initially with their first specialist that they see and it might take some time it might take months or years of, of trying some different people and different approaches because there is like there is different levels and experiences that specialists offer mm. as well. So that in itself is like not even just as clean as turning up and coming in and getting it all blurted out and having a plan. Exactly. So even that, and you talk about the continuum, well, even that is hardly a straight line no, for most people no, no, no. because you 
you're, you're going to go up, down, backwards a little bit, forwards really quick, then all of a sudden hit the brake. You know, it's 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 a real ride, but obviously, um, and and it, and it, it, it truly is a journey. And like, I've done all of those things. I've done like this, you know, if you draw it on a piece of paper, it would look like my three-year-old's drawing. Like it's just a spaghetti junction of, you know, things I've tried, tested. And look, I, this is a, I wasn't given that. So I kind of had to lead my own path and go, okay, there's not going to be other people as savvy as I might be thinking about it. Or I have the resources to do what I can do. I have, I'm lucky I have money to pay for these things. So I don't right. have lots of money, but I have enough that I can go, I don't even have to worry about seeing a GP. And that's when I, it's almost like that guilt sometimes. Uh, part of one of my challenges, and I still have it, is the guilt of seeing others in distress or not knowing what to do or not having the resources to do it. So I guess, although we can't change the world of what we're doing, we are literally going, here's a free feed. Yeah. And like, <laughs> people just assume yeah. that the feed is like the, it's funny, it's just a vehicle, like you said. We just got them there. And someone says, there's a guy, um, Glenn Paul, who's the CEO of the um, AMA, AMHF, Australian Men's Health Forum. Yep. And he says to us, he's the Association for Men's Health Services. And he says, we need to go where men already are. Massive, yeah. Not where like we want them to go. I love it. It's so simple. You know, go to the pub. Yes, pub's a bit tricky for me because I've got no alcohol like problems, never like not, not whatsoever, but people do. And I think sometimes we say, oh, let's have a beer and chat about it. I'm fine with doing that. But our barbecues, no alcohol. Like we just say, look, we don't want to contribute to something that might be a problem. So we'd rather just say, come for the chat. Sometimes people bring a football, kick it around, you know, real simple stuff. And like the feedback we get for something so simple, it looks really simple, but there's a lot of thought that we've put in beside it. And five, six years later, we've kind of just honed our approach, like and tried different things. So yeah, it's been it's been incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. So the name Mr. Perfect is a bit of a tongue-in-cheek um, approach, right? So you wrote a blog and speaking of having a couple of beers, <laughs> the story goes you opened up and showed a mate, oh, look what I wrote. I wrote this blog, right? And you signed it off as Mr. Perfect. So then just tell us about even like why your mate, like or why, like how that name came about and then why you felt that was what you should lead with in terms of the approach for this. So... It was probably, it was probably two, so 2016 is when Mr. Perfect officially started as a thing. Our first barbecue or, or event was in January 2016. But I'd been thinking about this for two years probably. I really like thought about it. So I got married, reset and went, hold on a minute, I'm going to plan a family. I need to start to get help properly and, and navigate this journey. So I then started writing because that's like my therapy, right? That was my original therapy before proper therapy. And I wrote my story to 30 years old and I realized it was, it wasn't very nice, like doing it sometimes, like there's things in there that I had to just confront and it was horrible, like some of it, but it actually was good for me. And then I just went, well, put it aside. Never, I've never even looked at it yet since again, it's still, it's still aside. So there's a, a future project maybe to see the difference now. Hey, it could be a book. <laughs> there you go, one day. And then... A mate of mine, well, this was at the peak of me kind of in a, a job where I was doing really well and kind of like the perception of everyone was life is just perfect, right? That was it. And he would say, look at your suit you're wearing. And like tease me, <laughs> you know, do all these things and oh, look at you with your, you're the boss's favorite and blah, blah, blah. And it just would grind on me. And this is one of my best mates. Like he didn't know what was going on. And he'd say, Mr. Perfect. And he'd call me that all the time. 
And then, yeah, I just started writing this blog. I put up a crappy blog on Wix and it was like three bucks a month. And I started writing it. No one would really see it. And I wasn't really sending it to anyone. So I was thinking, oh, how is this public but not public? You know, it was kind of weird. Told my mates about it after a couple of beers and showed them. And they were, oh, it's brilliant. And then they forgot about it, I think. And then I went, yeah, like, it's not just what my mate called me and he didn't know what truly was going on. I said, also, it's kind of what the world was, maybe still is expecting us to be as men and provide for your family, you know, stiff up on it, always put on a brave face, you know, and that's just not how it is now. It's not, it conflicts everything we kind of believe now and like empowerment to women and, you know, and it doesn't, it just doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't fit with what the current world, the world is like. And I just said, it's kind of like a sarcastic nod to it as well to say, yeah, that's kind of like what, it's ironic and sarcastic. But the, the feedback originally was hilarious. I did like a talk after a year of maybe doing Mr. Perfect. And someone came up after, it was quite blunt. They were like, look, it's really good what you did and great story and everything, but I would change that name. And like they gave me a thousand reasons why they should change it. Never met this person. But it's quite bold of them. You know, lucky I was like really polite. And um, they didn't really look into why the name was that. They didn't really pay attention to that part. So I was like, okay, fair enough. But, you know. So yeah, that, that's the reason why. Like the, my life seemed perfect. But the kind of people here in Australia didn't see what it was before. And then they weren't really seeing what was going on inside. None of this stuff gave me like happiness, holidays and nice things and material things have never been my thing anyway. And it's fine for people and they are. It's great. But for me, it just didn't give me any purpose. Um, so I think the name has, has worked well. And people come up to me wearing the T-shirt and they go, they can't see the bit underneath the tagline. And then they're like, Oh, you think, you know, I get a lot of old ladies on buses. Oh, you think you're Mr. Perfect, do you? We have a bit of a joke about it. And then it's a great icebreaker because then I tell them the story. It's the perfect, that's the perfect icebreaker. They sit there and they're like, oh, and then they go, that's fantastic. So amazing what you do, you know, or whether they might, normally they say that. Um, Yeah, so that's, it's it's been, it's been good. Now, does it correlate to any like barbecue theme thing? No. But we, we thought about getting changing the logo of a sausage or something. <laughs> you do you do but, have your little, uh, your little snag guy. We the, do. We back could, there. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. So we've got a, a variation of the logo and like our design, but it seems to have resonated. I think with a lot of people, regardless of your socioeconomic background, whether you're a you know, CEO of a company, maybe sometimes more so. You're putting it on, you know. A hundred percent, mate. It, ha- it absolutely has resonated with people because you've got. What, what are you now? Well over 40 locations around Australia. So what? Yeah. how's like, I mean, COVID has derailed so many things, but how have you kept that yeah. ticking along? And I know that in, in many parts of Australia, the barbecues can still happen, but how are you ticking along in the parts where they can't? And I know that you've moved to doing some virtual check-ins and things like that on Facebook. Yeah. yeah how, are you, how are you keeping the connection going when people can't see each other face-to-face? So when it all kicked off last year, like 2020 March time, and then COVID kind of just arrived. Hello, I'm here. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, we were, I'm very like, the, the charity is run as though it's a bigger charity. Like I'm so anal about governance and stuff in the background and processes that's like just the OCD in me and it's it's so organized and people appreciate that because it's looks casual but in the background the barbecue hosts are like you've thought of everything this is great so we have it we run it very tightly and then what we realized when COVID happened we went oh wow we just got a new board member a female Lara whose background is psychologist and she just brought this dynamic to us which we'd never thought about and in her first board meeting she went okay you're 
OHNS stuff, like show me the documentation you've got and blah, blah. <laughs> we all sat there looking at each other like, uh, I've got these 10 bullet points about, you know, food preparation. And she is like, no, 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 <laughs> it's not going <laughs> to cut it. So although we were really anal about it and we suggested things and we diverted people, it wasn't like we had nothing, but it was like, oh, wow. And then overnight like, we got kicking on it and we just said, right, let's do- document every possible thing that can happen. COVID or no COVID, any injury that happened at a barbecue, any mental, physical, you name it, like we've got it down packed. Like it's, you know, we did we did a lot of work on it. So when COVID happened, we just kicked into gear. And because we're tiny and we're lean and we're whatever, that was great because we could just make it happen overnight. You know, like it was, so we had to cancel obviously some of the barbecues uh, temporarily, then they came back. And then when it's returned again, big time this year, we just said like, can New South Wales, Victoria mainly, um, and anywhere else where there was a big problem, we said, we'll revert when we can. Thankfully, we're lean enough. There's no big, massive, huge expenses that means, you know, if they're not running, they're not running, that's fine. But then weirdly enough in WA, Tasmania, ACT, until recently, it was booming. Like Perth was like a real hotspot for us. It was amazing. Not, not a COVID hotspot, more so like an interest hotspot. Sausage spot. grill hotspot, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, and they were going just amazing, like the feedback, the, the the media we had, everything. And though it was just this two tale of two story, like two stories really. One, you know, half the country not doing so good, half the country doing great. Mm. But what we've done since we last year, we just put a lot of time into during the first lockdowns and everything. We did online like barbecues. I literally was cooking on a barbecue, chatting to people one Sunday, every Sunday. It got a bit tricky because I'm burning these sausages while I'm trying to talk and yeah. someone's asking me a question. And then it, so it was a little bit tricky, but it was funny. And we had a lot of laughter on it. And a lot of guys could check in from all over the country. And then what we've said is the individual barbecue hosts now, if you're not running a barbecue, feel free, no, no obligation. You can do a Zoom thing. Again, Zoom, I don't, it's fine, but it's not the same. It's not the same as us being in it. It's also, it is an enclosed space. It sounds stupid, but it, it is because you're sitting there with your face on the screen, like you're putting your, you're going to say something like everyone's hearing it so it's a little bit different you don't, right? you don't get those little one-to-one little sort of fire little, little firing connections happening and yeah i, I agree I so then we've also other things we've done uh, I, I did a kind of a podcast thing i dipped my toe into it to see if i'd be interested in doing it and i enjoyed it but i felt like it was just a bit of a distraction to what we were really trying to do people liked it. i interviewed some good people yeah and i did it for did. a year and i liked it but i it, what i felt was like a distraction like at the time for me. So that was good though. That got people involved. And then we've got the men's health directory online, which is a whole directory of men's health services we've put together that are similar to us, community-based, clinical, you name it. So we divert people there as well. Um, and then we've got, we just spent a lot of time on content and blogs and interesting stuff that not just any blog and just chuck it up there. We've got some great topics written about by professionals and, and the like as well. So we, and we've got a, a really thriving, I guess, Facebook community group, private group, where a lot of good stuff happens, a lot of sharing, um, not like crisis stuff, but you know, more, this is what I'm doing this weekend for the good of my men's, mental health or connection or spending time with my kids. Here's me barbecuing, here's me kicking the footy. Um, and encouragement, just general encouragement to people, real simple stuff, not, not changing the world, like just real simple stuff. So obviously online has become huge for us, but we don't want it to like slide that way. We, we want to pull it back when we can to say, that's just adjunct to what we do, you know. The, the barbecue is where it's at, so yeah. For sure. And and you mentioned the directory online on the website. 
which is awesome. And you can go on and filter by uh, if you're a dad and, and all, all sorts of different things. Hey, that, well done. It's an incredible, incredible hub of links and resources. I had a, a good little look around before we chatted, but um, that that must have taken an incredible amount of energy and, and time to get that to where it is because you want to make sure the stuff on there is you believe in, right? Yeah. So I'm a... This is this is where my my OCD powers are like a positive thing. So I like to like documents. I like to document things, right? As a kind of writer, I'm getting that vibe, mate. I'm definitely getting the document vibe. Yeah, yeah. research. When I gave my separate story, when I first went to my new psychologist uh, three years ago, and I gave him, I wrote down on a bullet point list like my history, my medical history, and bullet point. And he looked at me and was. Like, he was really polite about it. And then he told me when he knew me a while, he said, it was a really odd thing to do. He said, but I kind of understand where you're coming from now. He goes, I wasn't going to read it because I didn't want to judge, make a prejudgment. He goes, but you documented everything. Because, you know, I, I'm also a health tech kind of um, enthusiast. And I realized that personal health records for everyone, Australia's got it really bad. Like, it's just terrible how it doesn't, you can't see your health history between specialists, GPs, psychologists. So that's another dimension. But he just thought it was really funny. I did that. And he goes, I can see it in your personality. So what I've done over the years is I've got a few, you know, spreadsheets, Google Sheets, where I've just gone, okay, seen this men's health service. And I started documenting them, the founder, the website. And then I thought, what is the point building all this information? Like, it's just it's a nice distraction for me. It keeps my brain, like, doing stuff I like you know, in the 10 till midnight every night. And then I went, this is this is valuable to people in some format. So then we put it up as the directory and it's so simple that it's it's just provided an extra thing of, you don't just come to the barbecue then you stop and then off you go, we can't help you. We can actually physically say, here are some other things. Because one of the things my, I'm quite blunt about is, there's also accountability with our mental health. Everyone's in a different scenario. Everyone's got different, severities of the things they're dealing with but for me if i look honestly i need to take accountability yeah there's shit things that happened to me and there's all this stuff it's horrible don't deserve it blah, blah 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 yes i should never have this afflicted on me however there are so many times where i didn't take accountability for my own health and where i could have chose different things and done stupid things and i just went no no everyone says there's nothing out there for men i hear that all the time there is millions of things for men your page proves that but no one seems to want to put it together or at least australia works in a very fragmented way <laughs> in everything in healthcare in the states and whatever you know however that you've seen what happened with covid no one wants to work together and someone needs to pull this stuff together so that was our small way of going here's all the services and i'm sure there's loads more we don't know about i always tell people email me if there's more i can add um, and i do better them i do check them out and stuff but um yeah, hopefully it's helpful to some. It's a good, it's a very good approach to have. And it's in many ways, a similar approach to how we put this podcast together. We're basically not too proud to have a conversation with, with anyone. Like everyone's got an, a perspective mm. to share. And when those things or when those perspectives and like what you've done materialize into an, a tangible thing in the form of a barbecue, which now has a directory online, that's an amazing thing to be celebrated. And I agree, there's so much that needs to be done to connect all those things up because there's actually, there's a lot of duplicated effort around yes, um, there is. with people doing very similar things. Um, and you think, ah, oh, there's an, just another charity that's been set up with another mission, but all of us have, have got a purpose and a reason for why it sparked and why it started. Mm. Just there is so much opportunity to link up across the board and have 
have things that naturally overlap, just like put those things together. And I think that's a really big thing that in the, in the conversations I have around the place as well, um, just calling that out. And as we keep calling that out more, it just creates that more and more access and more opportunities for people to get information that they need or didn't even know they needed. Well, look, not everyone is going to be comfortable coming to one of our barbecues. Not everyone is going to be comfortable kicking a foot around. Not everyone's going to be comfortable, you know, there's other groups similar to us, but do a different activity. I'm like, go that way. You want to play chess? Go here. You want to read a book? Go here. You want to, we're not, we're not like this is going to solve it for everyone. So if you can do that in a very simple way, I just, we just divert them there. And not everyone is ever going to come to barbecue. They may only go to our website to get what they need. So we can kind of have that resource or a bit of an archive, a library. It seems to have worked. So. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Earlier, um, prior to the lead up of us chatting, mate, you, I saw a blog post about women being involved with Mr. Perfect and part of actually achieving uh, better outcomes in the men's health space is getting in touch with the people who are around men, which are their wives and partners, if, if that's their relationship yes. status or, you know, uh, just it might just be a mate. But just talk me through that and, and how that has evolved and, and you must get asked a lot where's the missus perfect why haven't we set one of those up yet exactly and <laughs> so i reckon the first time I, when i first set up i was a bit apprehensive because i thought okay i'm not like a manly man i like come I'm, I'm definitely not like you, you ask anyone right there's things that i'll do that are considered masculine there's other things that i definitely don't right? i just don't fit that archetypal person but when i set it up it's, it's the black imagery it's a very masculine like you know men's health thing people did ask questions or I got the odd thing. Why have you not opened this up to women? Or And I did get some really like shitty things as well. And I, I have to bite my tongue sometimes because the intention of me doing it is not to not to divide people, right? No, it's just not. to say, you're going to get more. It's men's focus. You're going to get more from it if you're a male. Some of our barbecues have organically grown that they are a community event. There are women, there are men, there are pets, there are, you know, there are everything, there are kids it becomes a game of cricket and they're having the barbecue and it's the thing they do. And it's incredible because women come and go, my son, my dad, my brother, my dad, you know, whatever it may be. And they all have a story and they will talk about it more probably. Right. So for me, that's a no brainer. Like, we're never going to close it off. <laughs> we're just saying it's more men's focused. And then recently, you know, there's a lot of talk about inclusivity and diversity. You know? I'm not a believer in we should do this because everyone's talking about it. And it's fashionable to be diverse and inclusive. We should practice that without having to say it. And when I do get questions about it, so I write the blog post, I was like, look, someone said, I'm just really curious why you let women into the Facebook group. <laughs> uh, I thought, okay, instead of just, I wrote this whole response. It was like an essay. And I thought, this is a great blog. I'm going to turn this into a blog because I do get this question. I can divert people to it. Women will also learn more from seeing what we talk about, do whatever, without prying, without, you know, they need to know how our minds are working, how we deal with things, generally speaking, not all the time. So they have some more understanding and maybe a bit more patience with the way someone they know in their life might act out or whatever. So that was also my thinking as well. And the most feedback I get is from women, like emails, messages, you name it, saying, this is a great thing you're doing. Thank you so much. And it really, really shits me because this is the reality that I feel my experience might be different for other people. I've not experienced parental alienation. I've not experienced divorce, domestic abuse, nothing. There are many who've experienced that as well. 
what I'm saying is we're not an advocacy group. We're not this. We are trying to connect people for the good of men's health, whoever's involved. It doesn't matter who's involved. And it just shits me when a lot of people will just read what they see on the Daily Mail or whatever. I'm picking out. Uh, I'm not going to be too descriptive. But, and the media will have you believe, or the mainstream media at times, not all of them, will have you believe that there is a big divide between us and that's how it should be and we're just going to fight each other and bam, 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 and that sells papers. And when the tragic stuff happens, the really crap stuff, guess what? 99% of the time it's a male. And it's not saying that's not the case, like the the weight of how these things happen, but it doesn't do any good for anyone. It's not the reality I experience. I don't get anyone shouting at me and calling us out as whatever, you know. It's more the vocal support I get in, in written and verbal. Majority is from women saying, I think this is great. Like, I wish I could take my husband or force him to go along, you know, <laughs> yeah. or whatever it may be. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, we're never going to close off to anyone. We, we've let people come. There's been people in the park who literally have seen what we've done and they, they didn't, they didn't, it was a couple of people, they didn't speak English once. So I was trying to like engage with them and they just wanted a free feed. Oh, like, that's fine. Help yourself. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was like, this is brilliant. And we're like laughing and having a try to have a chat with them. I said, they had no idea what we were doing or what the cause was. I was like, if I if we've just connected with a couple of people in the park who didn't plan to be there, brilliant. <laughs> so there you go. That's yeah. what it's all about. It's yeah, and and you and we've experienced it too. If you set something up out in the park, all sorts of people will wander past and say g'day and engage. So yeah, they're intrigued. Yeah, it's a good thing. It, it, it's a good thing to have people interested in in what you're doing. So I think that's um yeah, you, you're certainly capturing attention um and doing it in a really a really approachable way. So that's awesome. And, um, with, you know, COVID and everything else that's happening, mate, um, there's huge challenges in front of everybody. But what's the status of play for Mr. Perfect right now? And like, and what's next? What, what, where from here? So we came to, we had that exact question about maybe six months ago or maybe about nine months ago. And I, you know, I'm, I'm the face of it. And at the time I was feeling like I was kind of doing operationally, I was trying to do everything. And I was trying to be the face of it and I was trying to drive it and grow it all while having a full-time job, all while having a family and a newborn and all this stuff. And I just went, hold on, like I'm a big, big hypocrite here. I've got to take a proper look back and go like, take a step and say, what did we start it for? Does that match the things we're being approached about now? Like people wanting to collaborate, companies want to get involved, blah, 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 blah. If we have enough money to run it, we have a great corporate sponsor each year, which thankfully give us money, Zurich and we're fine and it's very lean and that's good. That's all I worry about. It keeps it ticking. And then I sat with our board and our committee and I said, look, I just was honest with them. I said, like, I'm feeling burnt out by it because I'm getting lost in the process and I don't get much, not getting as much as I used to from it. I said, where do you think we should be? And I gave like three options just randomly and said, what if November came along and said, we want to take it on as a program and do this with it. What if someone else said, we want to do this. What if we just said, let's aim to keep it as grassroots and as lean as possible. Don't worry about how many barbecues we have because that's what we were getting caught up with. Worry about the stories we get from each barbecue and make that barbecue experience better and better and better and better and better and just keep improving it. So it's we can run it lean. We have one person we pay for one day a week that keeps the operations running. Yes, we pay a couple of contractors to do things, but that's how we want it. Maybe two days a week, someone running it and with me doing all the, I guess the, the media stuff, that's fine. And I drive it, like I drive the strategy. So that's where we're at. And we said, we're happy with that. And everyone agreed at the meeting. And I went, 
brilliant because I was getting really worried that like the pressure everyone was putting on me. Oh, you should go to this national thing. Go get some public funding. Do this, do this. And, like, the noise. And I wasn't really, oh, I had to ground myself again and go, where did we get the gold from? It was from those conversations after kicking the football round. It didn't matter what was, you know, media. It's great when you get media. Don't get me wrong. Like we're on weekend sunrise and all sorts. It gives you a very quick, short-lived boost to people knowing about you. It does not change the connection on the ground for people. Like it just doesn't. It's a very nice. I'm very thankful for it. But we just got a bit caught up in it. And now we're like, nah, look, if next, the end of next calendar year, COVID tip, but look, let's do what we can do, right? Reach as many people online get back running hopefully early next year to our full capacity and then try and hit maybe by the end of the year, you know, we'll try and hit more people that we get stories from our barbecues rather than worry about we need a hundred barbecues. If someone comes along and they say, I want to start one here, we're for it. You know, we'll, we'll vet them and we'll do whatever. But we really now about the quality and the stories we get from it. And every month we reflect on that now and go, yes, that is why we're doing this. And someone said to me yesterday, they were worried, one of the hosts, oh, I don't get enough people to the barbecue. I said, mate, we get ones out of two people, we get ones out of 50. You don't know how much indirectly you're affecting people because always mates say it's brilliant and they're blah, blah, blah. And I said, indirectly, those people, some of them would have gone away and got help. They would have talked to someone. They might not ever come to your barbecue, let's face it. But indirectly, you have helped so many people open up and probably go, that's the great thing you're doing. And then they'll tell someone about it. And I said, we can count that as well. That's a good, that's a good way to look at it. You oh, know? Yeah, beautifully put, mate. And the other thing too is, is that you don't know and you may never fully be able to measure the impact um, that you've had on one person. Never. But what you do know is you've provided another platform mm -hmm. for them to share their voice or to hear the voice of someone else. I think that's exactly. an amazing thing for you um, to have done and I commend you for that. And you know, everyone else around it and involved with it too, because I certainly know that it's, um, you can be one person leading something from the front, but there's, there's guts in the background that help to make these things happen. So yeah, yeah well done on building what you have built because it's, uh, it's just a really cool Thank thing you, and, and we'll certainly be helping fly the flag for you. And I'm keen when we can to, to get along to a barbecue myself. Legend. No. It'd be, yeah, it'd be good to have you there, mate. As long as you wear the, the T-shirt, that's fine. Well, it was fantastic to speak with Terry and I just think, um, yeah, everything that he's, he's set up and, and has, has made out of this uh, charity and this initiative is fantastic and um, the, the access he's creating and the conversations and connections that are coming out of it uh, it just can only be a good thing. So um, it's an absolute pleasure to, to have Terry talk about Mr. Perfect. Now, if you do uh, want to get more involved, if, if you'd love to go along to one of the Mr. Perfect barbecues, they are still running in some parts of Australia. Um, jump on mrperfect.org.au and under the About section, there's a Find a Barbecue Nearby. You jump on there, there's an interactive map which shows you where the locations are. Um, you can click in and get involved in those and, and learn more about um, what's happening in that space. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with Terry, you can do that via the website as well. If you were keen on having a discussion about uh, hosting your own barbecue um, near to where you are, I'm sure that Terry would be only too happy to, to talk about that. If you'd like to support them, you can make a donation through the website. You can also buy t-shirts and hats um, to support the cause. So, 
Um, I highly encourage you to jump on there and have a look around. Similarly, the, he has the directory page that he mentioned. Lots of great resources on there. Uh, lots of links, lots of phone numbers and jump on there and, and explore that and, and arm yourself with, with resources, maybe not just for yourself, but for other people that are in your life, uh, men that you know who, who may be needing some support. We do usually also mention the, the key contact details uh, that you can get in touch with if you or anyone you know is experiencing a crisis and there's always Lifeline on 13, 11, 14, uh, 24 hours, seven days a week. Uh, there's Headspace for under 25s, the Suicide Callback Service, uh, and particularly relevant, I suppose, for this episode uh, is the Men's Line, uh, Men's Line Australia, which is on 1300 78 9978. I will include that and all of the others that I've mentioned in the episode notes. So you can have a look there if you're if you're wanting to um, make use of one of those resources. Thank you as always for listening to Flynn's talk and we will be taking a couple of weeks break. Uh, we've reached the halfway mark of our season. So we're going to take a couple of weeks break and pause the microphones uh, as we put together some fresh episodes for you. And uh, we'll be looking forward to continuing these chats and we always... Uh, appreciate the feedback that we get be sure to be following our facebook page flynn's walk uh, and you can follow us on instagram as well uh, under flynn's walk and there's flynnswalk.com.au if you want to support our initiative or buy a t-shirt buy a beanie and make a donation Uh, you can do all of those things there so thank you for listening and we appreciate the support as always and we will be speaking with you again very soon 